Hey, Church in the Valley, I'm Pastor Matt, and welcome to our online Sunday morning service. Hope you're comfortable, hope you have your uh, your favorite cup of coffee, and I'm, I'm hopeful and looking forward to uh, learning from God's Word. I think God has something to say to each and every one of us today. Over the last several weeks, we've been looking at a new series called This Changes Everything, where we look at how the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his conquering death and rising from the dead, how that changes the way we look at our past and our present and our future. And if you haven't been uh, with us or if you miss one of those weeks, you can watch it online. And I'd encourage you to go to our website, watch the service, and share it with someone. Today what we're going to do is look at how uh, the resurrection of Christ and really uh, God with us through what Jesus has done, right? Because of the death of Jesus Christ and the removal of our sin, uh, Jesus removed the wall that separated us from God. And God is now in our lives. He's willing to come into our lives as we follow Jesus Christ and be with us and help us. And that makes a huge difference as we face things uh, like disappointment, which is something we're going to be talking about today. Disappointment is something we're all experiencing in all sorts of different ways. And uh, if we're not careful, we can respond to disappointment in such a way that it actually brings damage into our lives. But God wants to use the situations that we're facing, particularly the hard things, to transform us, to grow us, to strengthen our faith, to grow our devotion to him, and to really give us good and uh uh, to give us good things and to bless us in our lives. Uh, that's what God wants to do. And so today what I want us to look at is how do we respond to disappointment in a way that's full of faith. Now, what are you disappointed about? What are some things that you've been facing lately that are very disappointing? We all have. For example, you may be disappointed because you've lost a vacation. You got canceled. You're planning on going overseas or to another state or another city. Maybe the airline told you that uh, they're going to keep your money, but they're going to give you a credit. <laughs> That happened to us, my wife and I, and you know that's very disappointing because the, the tickets that I, ch I chose and the flight that I paid for, you know, it was pretty cheap because we, we booked it in March. And uh, when this thing is over with, I, I doubt that the, the next flight that I want to take is going to be the same price as the tickets I purchased. And so it's kind of a loss. It's a disappointment. But, you know, it's just a flight. For some of you, you were going overseas. You had huge vacations planned and they've been canceled. And now you don't have the time off later. Or maybe that destination is closed. And so I'm, I'm sorry about that if that's happened to you. Uh, some of you have had birthday parties. And, you know, Zoom birthday parties, they're fun, I guess. I mean, they're not, they're not what you want, but you make the most of it. My nephew recently had a Zoom birthday party. You know, we sang happy birthday to him. We tried to encourage him, but it's not the same. And then there's our jobs. For many of you, um, You've lost hours. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you have seen a cut in your pay. And for, for some of you that I know, you, you're working more now than you ever have before, and it's exhausting. I just want you to know that God is with you, that he loves you, and that he will give you the grace you need each day to, the, to do the work before you. God, God is not going to allow you to face more than you can handle. And he will help you. He will give you the power you need. He'll give you the resources you need to do, to do the work that you're doing as you trust and you call on him and you do the next right thing. And so I just want to encourage you, those of you who are feeling exhausted and disappointed for how the your, your, your vocation is going, your work is going, I just want you to know that God is close. He loves you and he's near. Uh, there are seniors who are no longer going to be able to go to prom. Uh, graduation is canceled. Uh, there's athletes who have lost their winter season. They were just about to go to the championships and now that's gone. They've lost their eligibility. And then there are people who are dying. There are thousands and thousands of people who are sick, and there are thousands and thousands of people who have died. 
And so this is a season when we're all going through various stages of disappointment. And God wants to use this to transform our minds and to transform our character so that we become people who are more uh, filled with faith, who have more confidence and joy in the midst of difficult situations, and who are more like his son Jesus. Now that's going to happen as we begin to look at disappointment the way that God looks at disappointment. And so, first of all, what is disappointment? Where does it come from? Disappointment comes from unmet expectations, right? It's not really rocket science, Captain Obvious. But you have expectations. You think something's going to go a certain kind of way. You're pumped. You're looking forward to it. And it doesn't. Your expectations are not met. And that happens in circumstances. There's circumstantial expectations that you have. And the thing is, the problem with expectations and the way it works in our world is we oftentimes, we, we, we have expectations that are kind of like plans. And we write them in pen. You know, we think this is how it's going to be instead of writing them in pencil. But really we have to write them in pencil because this world, it's, it's unpredictable. There are all sorts of things that can mess up our plans that can cause us to um, be disappointed with how things turn out, right? That can cause us to, to not get what we expected. So, for example, um, I can make mistakes. I keep trying to make a box in my house. Recently, I took up carpentry, and I'm trying to make a box, right? I have a piece of wood, and I'm cutting it, and I'm following the instructions to make a simple box. And I can't, I can't figure it out. I keep messing up. I keep, you know, measuring it wrong or cutting it wrong. Why is that happening? Why can't I make a box like the guy on YouTube? Right? It's because of my mistakes. And we all do this. We, we do our best to make plans, but then there's holes and our mistakes oftentimes cause things to not go the way we want it. And then we feel disappointed. Another reason why expectations are often unmet is because of other people, right? Other people have flaws and they make mistakes and that can affect us. And then there's just the unpredictability of life. This world is unpredictable. Who would have thought about coronavirus two months ago? Nobody saw that coming. Think about how many plans were destroyed, how many expectations were, were unmet because of the coronavirus. So you have your mistakes, you have other people's faults, you have the unpredictability of life, and then you have your enemy, Satan. And he is always on the prowl, looking for ways to discourage us, looking for ways to push us into sin, to tempt us to just abandon God and go it alone. And he does this. He, he will actually come against us so that he can cause us to, to fail and feel disappointed with how things turn out. Paul, who was a first century church planner, he knew all about that. He starts this church, for example, in Thessalonica. And he wants to go back to these people and encourage them and pray for them and teach them and pastor them. You know, they're like his spiritual children. He wants to go see them, like a lot of us who can't go see our relatives. And every time he tried to go, the enemy would block him. And this is a reality. Our enemy can block our plans. Our enemy can try to discourage us and cause us to feel disappointment. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, Because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. That's a real possibility for why things aren't going the way you want. And finally, God. God will sometimes get involved for a greater purpose. Oftentimes, God will not allow circumstances to go the way I expected because he actually wants to build me, build my trust, change my character, make me more like his son Jesus. You can see this again and again in the scriptures. And Paul was a guy who learned this uh, through all the trials that he faced. He wrote to the, the church in Corinth, actually, uh, in 2 Corinthians. Here's what he said. He said, For we do, not want to, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. So he was going through some hard things in Asia. 
For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That sounds pretty bad. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Our God raises the dead. Our God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, showing us that the worst disappointment, the worst thing that can happen, which is death, is not the end. We who trust in Christ will live forever and ever. That's the, the hope that we have because of the resurrection. And so what Paul is saying is, look, we, we believe that, but in reality we were relying on ourselves. And what God did was he used the disappointment, he used the despair, he used the, the, the difficulty of that situation to cause us to shift our hope and our trust and our reliance from ourselves over to God. Now, is that what God is trying to do in your life right now? Do you think that God wants to use the disappointments that you are facing to do in you what he was doing in Paul? I think he does. He loves you. He's a good father. And he wants to grow and mature you. So you may want to ask yourself, God, where am I relying on myself and not you? How is my disappointment revealing to me where I'm actually trusting in myself or trusting in someone else or trusting in circumstances instead of trusting in you? That's a great question to ask. So what we see is our expectations, they're often built on a shaky foundation because we make mistakes. Other people make mistakes. There's unpredictability in our world. The enemy attacks. And sometimes God is going to intervene. These all make it difficult for us to really have confidence in our great expectations. And then we have to choose how we respond when we're disappointed. Because disappointment can, de- it can derail you. You can get derailed by disappointment. And so what I'd like us to look at is three different tracks that we can take. The way God works, the way he trains his children, is he does it situation by situation. Oftentimes we come to a fork in the road. And what God wants us to do is to be able to read our situation, to see the path that he wants us to take, and to avoid other paths that are going to lead to damage. There are three paths you can take in a response to disappointment. And I'd like to look at each one of them right now. The first one is the anger track. You can get mad. If you do that, that's going to lead to damage in your life. So the way the anger track works is you have this anticipation, you have this expectation. doesn't go the way you expected. You're disappointed. And then you feel resentful. You feel this bitter indignation at having been uh, treated unfairly. You feel mad. And then you get angry very, very easily because you're remembering how unjust it is, and how unfair it is, and how you don't deserve this. And every little thing that blocks you, every little additional disappointment just flares you up with rage and anger and the energy goes up. And what ends up happening is you start to resent and feel angry at God either directly or indirectly. And you may be experiencing this. Because of the circumstances that you're going through, you may be feeling like, where is God? I mean, why is he letting this happen to me? I thought he loved me. I thought he was good. Why is this happening? And what happens is, our enemy comes along and he says, you're right. Look at how good you've been. Look at how long you, you've obeyed God. And, and this, is what, this is what you get? You deserve a little break. You deserve a little pleasure, a little enjoyment. And then what happens is, The anger leads to rebellion and sin. And then you get deeper and deeper into sin, and it just causes more pain. And it brings judgment and punishment and difficulty into your life. That's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to use your disappointment, turn it into resentment, anger, rebellion, and then more problems for you. Don't take the anger track. That's not a good response. The second response you can take is the discouragement track. 
And that's when you get really, really sad. In the discouragement track, the energy goes down and it begins to pull you down into this dark place where you lose all motivation and all desire to live and do anything. And so again, you have these expectations, you anticipate some good thing, and then there's a disappointment, and then you're sad. And sad is normal. It's, it's, it's normal to feel sad that your, your senior year was canceled, that your, your vacation was canceled, that your, your job is so difficult, that, that other difficult things are happening. That's normal. But discouragement is a choice. You can choose what you think about. You can choose what you dwell on. You can think about the truth, what's good and right, and lovely and pure and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. Or you can think about all the things you've lost. And when you do that, boy, you start to feel really, really depressed. And it starts to pull you down. And pretty soon you're just like, you know what? I don't even, I don't even want to get out of bed today. And you start letting go of your responsibilities. You know, you have responsibilities at home. You have responsibilities with your kids. You have responsibilities at work. You have to take care of yourself physically. You gotta control what you put in your head. Control what you say. I mean, there's so many different things that you are responsible for. And when you get discouraged, you just want to let go of all that stuff. And what happens is, when you do that, it gets into sin. Pretty soon you're just, you're wallowing in it. You're like, I just deserve to have a little bit of joy in my life. You know what? I'm just, I'm gonna go and then Satan comes and he tempts. Or a world tempts. Or your own heart tempts. And then you get into sin and that brings problems that brings damage that brings judgment into your life this is the typical way we can respond to disappointment this is the way uh, people you know naturally kind of drift to anger energy goes up or discouragement the energy goes down but instead what god wants is he wants the energy to go forward he wants us to respond in faith and that's a really important thing for you to do to respond in faith and so what i'd like us to do is look at how to do that how to respond in faith because disappointment can really become an opportunity to experience god's help God wants to use disappointment as a way to turn us to him. And he wants to use the, the difficulty in it to cause us to depend on him. In fact, uh, one of the things that you read in Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians, Paul says actually discouragement or sorrow, it can actually be something that God uses to cause us to turn to him. He says this, he says, Your sorrow led you to repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation but worldly sorrow brings death. So godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. So there is a certain sorrow, there's a certain sadness, there's a certain disappointment that actually causes us to turn to God and call on him and invite him into our life to help us. That's what God wants disappointment to do. He wants disappointment to drive us to him. It can be an opportunity to experience God's help. So how do you practically do that? What you do is you yield. We have an acrostic for you that will help you know how to respond when you're facing disappointment. Today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life. When you respond to disappointment with the faith track, what you do is you acknowledge. You acknowledge that you're angry or you acknowledge that you're sad. You tell God. But you also thank God for what he's given you. You ask for God's help and you move forward. You keep doing the next right thing. And so the way you practically do that is you yield. You yield to God's will. You identify what's real. You enjoy what you have now. Right? You learn from what's happened. And finally, D, you do right. You do the next right thing. If you follow these steps, 
then what you can do is you can take the energy that's created in your disappointment and turn it into faith and move forward. So let's take them one at a time. The first one is yield to God. When you're feeling disappointment, you have to yield to God. In James 4, 13 through 16, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And this is super relevant to what we've all been experiencing lately. Uh, we've all had plans that have been interrupted by this invisible virus. And what he's saying is, is that you have no idea what's going to come. There's an unpredictability of life, he's saying. He goes on to say, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. The first thing we have to do when we're feeling disappointment is we have to open up our hands and say, God, here's what I wanted. Here's my plan. Here's what I was hoping for. It's not working. God, if it's good, if it's best, would you please make it happen? Would you please raise it from the dead? Would you please give it back? Would you please put it back together? Would you please come into my situation and help me? I give it to you. But here's the thing. If you give it to God, that means you let go of trying to make it happen. And that means you have to trust that God is in control. And he is. And so what you're doing, you're saying, Lord willing. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. If this is what you want, then I pray be successful. I pray that you'd, you'd give me back the good thing that I've lost. That's what you do. That's how you yield. And you don't literally have to say, Lord willing, every five seconds, but you want to consistently turn your mind and your heart back to God and say, God, things are not going the way I hope for, but I'm going to give them to you. Here's what I'm wanting. Here's what I think is best. Here's what I'm, I think is right and good. Would you please give that to me if it's best? Second thing you can do is identify what's real. You've got to be grounded in reality. Right? Because if your expectations are built on faulty assumptions or just, you, you know, it's not reality. You're worrying about things you, you don't really know about. You're getting bad information or you have some great expectations that are not really grounded in reality. It's just going to set you up for failure. But there's also a spiritual reality that you have to be grounded in. And that is, is that Jesus' death removes the sin that separates us from God. And following Jesus means that you become a child of God. And God gives you his Holy Spirit and comes and dwells within you. And he gives you his power and he is there with you. This is the reality of your life as a Christian. That's the reality that you have. So no matter how bad the circumstances is, God is with you. And God is powerful. God is wise. God loves you. God can help you. And God will do good for you. That's the reality that you're living in all the time as a Christian. And when you... When you can refocus your attention on that reality, you can respond to any kind of disappointment in the right way. So you have to identify what's real. Listen to this psalm. David, who was a great king in the nation of Israel, he knew this reality. Listen to his words. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad. And I rejoice. My body rests in safety. My body rests in safety. I rejoice. My heart is glad. No wonder my heart is glad. Why? Why is he this way? For he is right beside me. Because he is with you. Because that's the reality you live in. The Lord Jesus is with you. You can face all these circumstances. He has the power you need. He has the wisdom you need. He has the understanding you need. And he will help you. 
So that's identifying what's real. The third thing is, is enjoying what you have right now. It is so easy to become disappointed and zoom in on the things that we have lost, that we miss all the good that is still in our lives. And God doesn't want that to happen. God wants you to focus on the good things that you do have and to be grateful for them, to keep it in proportion, right? To keep it in proportion. Solomon, who is the son of David, and he was, he's a real smart guy. He was one of the wisest men who ever lived. And he collected all of these, these wise sayings. And uh, he wrote a book actually called Ecclesiastes. And in the book he said this, he said, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Your enemy will try to rob you of the gratitude and the joy that you can have right now from the things that God has given. Be grateful for what you have. I enjoyed the meal that I had for dinner, right? I'm grateful that I have my family. I'm grateful that my car works and that it's not broken. I'm grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful that I'm not sick. You can go through all sorts of things that are good in your life. And it's important that we're constantly remembering the good that God has given us and that we're thankful because it puts the disappointment in proper proportion, right? Otherwise, we allow it to become really, really big and it causes us to feel discouraged and it pulls us down and that leads to rebellion. Or we get angry and that pushes us up and that leads to rebellion. Instead, what we want to do is say, thank you, God, for the good that I have. I'm really bummed out about this. I'm really bummed out about this, God, but I am grateful for these things here. This is, this is the rhythm of the Christian life. This is how we respond to disappointment. This is how we keep it from getting us off track. Day by day, situation by situation. God wants to train you to do this. He wants you to get really good at responding to disappointment this way. You can get really good at responding to disappointment this way if you choose to practice these things. And you have a beautiful training course right in front of you. It's called Living in America During the Coronavirus Crisis. This is a training opportunity for you and me to transform in our character by choosing to do these things. Third thing. So you first, you yield to the Lord. Number two is you identify what's real. Number three is you enjoy what you have right now. And number four is learn from what, what's happened. Learn from what's happened. Take account. Is there something you could have done differently? Learn from what's happened. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this point. But don't be like, oh, it's such a bummer, it didn't work out, but actually say, hey, was there something that I could have done differently? Number four, do, or number five, I can't count right now, that's okay. Uh, number five, do right. Focus on the next right thing. Here's the thing, one of the things that our enemy's trying to do is to get us so distracted, so discouraged, so angry, that we will just let go of our responsibilities. And that will cause things to fall apart even more and make our lives more miserable. He is trying to drag us down. And so what we have to do is focus on the next right thing we need to do. Do what's right. So you feel disappointed about what you've lost, and you work through this process of yielding and giving it to God, of identifying that he's with you by enjoying what you have, learning from what you can learn, and then you, you identify the next thing that you need to do today. Okay, I'm going to wash the dishes. I'm going to work on this project. I'm going to play with my kids. I'm going to clean the car. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to do the next thing I need to do. I'm not going to let this get me off track. And that's what James says at the end of the passage that we just read. He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. This is a major focus in the scriptures, doing the next right thing. So uh, this is how you respond to disappointment, right? You call upon the Lord, you yield to him. You identify the realities that you're living in. You enjoy what you have. 
You learn from what you can learn from, and you do the next right thing. If you respond to disappointment this way, you will get better and better and better and stronger and stronger and stronger, and you will not get dragged down. You will not get taken out. And there are things coming in the future that could be far more disappointing than this. But here's the thing. The worst and the greatest disappointment is death. And Jesus took that death on himself. He became a man. He experienced all the sufferings that we experience as human beings. He knows what it's like to be disappointment or to have disappointment. And he did that for you and me. In his great love, he gave his life up for you. He went into the grave and he rose again to show us that if we follow Jesus, not even death, not even death can hold us down. That there is a glorious hope and future for us. And that that powerful God that raised Jesus from the dead, he is with us now. And he's bigger than any situation we're facing, any disappointment that we're facing. That's how the cross, that's how the resurrection changes everything. So I hope this has encouraged you. And I hope you consider now some next steps you can take. How can you apply what we've learned today to your life? First thing you could do is identify which is your default track. Do you tend to get angry? Do you tend to get discouraged? Which of those two is your default? Consider that and tell the Lord, Lord, this is my default. Would you help me change it? Number two, one of the things you should do is you should take this opportunity to write down a recent disappointment that you experienced and work through the yield process. Actually write it down. Go through the exercise of saying, Lord, I was wanting this, I was looking forward to this, and I was disappointed by this outcome. And then work through the yield process that we just learned. And that's on the notes uh, for our message here. And then number three is do something redemptive this week. Jesus Christ turns death into life. He turns that which is broken and weak into strength. He takes our, our sin and our, our lives that are, that are, you know, they're not great. And he, he transforms us and redeems us. And that redemption is, it's a hope we have in the middle of difficult things. So is there something that you can work on this week? Fix something that's broken. Build something from scratch. Plant a garden, watch it grow to remind you that God is redeeming the hard things, the difficult things. God can take that which is dead and bring it to life. And if you do redemptive work, it's one of the reasons why I'm trying to do woodworking, trying to build things, because it's helping me remember that God is still working in this situation, that God can take all these difficult things and he can work them together for good. It's a way that you can practically, practically remind yourself of the truth that our God is a great redeemer of difficulty and disappointment. So, hey, I hope this has encouraged you today. Let's pray together as we close. Father, thank you for your love that you sent your son to this world to rescue us uh, from sin, Satan, and death. Thank you, Father, that you've removed the sin that has kept us from you in your son Jesus and raised him from the dead to show the whole wide world that he is the son of God and the one who can give us salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to turn our disappointments into an opportunity to grow in our faith, to grow in our devotion to you, and that you would protect us from getting off track, from giving into discouragement or anger. For people right now who are feeling this kind of bitter resentment and discouragement, God, I just pray that you come right into their situation, that you comfort them and help them, and that, God, you would give them the desire and the power to choose to respond in faith. Please help us to see this practical things we can do to apply what you've taught us today. And we thank you that you're a God of redemption and that you will 
you will ultimately turn all of the worst disappointments in our lives into good on the day that Christ returns. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.